0: Hello, welcome to the Proskauer Benefits Brief. This is Nuts and Bolts of a Management Buyout, What Management Needs to Know. It's part of a series of a Proskauer podcast. I'm Mike Album, and on today's episode and throughout the series, I'm being joined by Josh Miller. This picks up on our earlier podcast on iTunes, and today we'll be addressing some of the distinct executive compensation matters in an MBO that senior management has to review and deal with. Josh, let's talk a little bit about the beginning of the process, which is the what we'll call the self-inventory process, when our clients have to figure out what their existing documentation is, what their existing compensation arrangements are. And it might sound funny to even say that, because you would think sometimes people would have you know, an absolutely encyclopedic knowledge of what they have, but they're busy running the business. Often, they haven't focused on the whole array of compensation they have. So why don't you take us through the kind of things they should be looking for as they build their self-inventory?
1: Sure. The number one thing certainly is going to be their equity ownership. That would include fully vested equity, common stock, or capital interest, as well as incentive equity, such as profits interest, restricted stock, RSUs. What they're going to need to really understand are the terms and conditions of those equity awards in connection with a sale. Will the sale accelerate vesting or result in adjustments or Payments or measurement of performance in connection with incentive equity. Are there drag alongs or forced sale provisions that would require equity holders to participate in a transaction, and if so, in what terms? Also it's the non-equity compensation, annual bonuses, deferred compensation, rights to carried interest, employment agreements. For example, it's a good idea for management to review salary levels, bonus targets and structure, not only to understand how they relate on an absolute basis, but where they are relative to the market. You know, and for that, it might be worth hiring or retaining counsel or a consultant to study trends and survey data, to look at precedent transactions involving Companies in the same industry or transactions between the same sponsors. Public filings are a great place to look, particularly for businesses that have started out public and been taken private or strategic acquisitions by a public company. As I said, your outside management counsel, compensation consultants, and various news sources will have a lot of data here. that management can work with its advisors and make sure that their existing package is up to par with market.
0: Yeah. I want to step back for a minute because in one of our earlier podcasts, again, which you can find on iTunes, we spoke a little bit about the due diligence process that the buyers are going to undergo in order to figure out and understand the legal and executive comp landscape of the company they want to buy. So they will be focusing on the existing current state. In other words, your self inventory is sort of parallel tracking their due diligence process. So they're looking at the current state to figure out the sort of minimum amount they have to offer you and perhaps argue that you shouldn't get any more you know once the deal closes going forward than what you've had in the past I mean we've seen this a lot in the area Josh of employment agreements for example whereas well a buyer a PE firm buying the business may have its own approach to a equity pool and how the equity grants work often when it comes to the employment agreements they'll piggyback off what we call the legacy agreements and not want to change things particularly if the legacy agreements are pro employer. Sure. So like severance terms are not being particularly generous or there are no change of control provisions or acceleration provisions. So the legacy documents are sort of playing two key roles. One is for the buyer to use to set up its new proposal and for the management team to realize what they have and what they may have to bargain up from. So
1: Right. And and management generally is going to be unwilling to accept anything less favorable or that exposes them more than what they had pre-deal. They were going to want to improve their alignment with market, and they're going to want to create programs that bolster their retention and motivation from and after the closing. So very important to understand your existing severance formula, your triggers, how deep it goes in the population of the management team, as well as the restrictive covenants. That's another area where what management has lived with through the transaction can really set the stage for what they're willing to accept
0: post transaction yeah and then just to jump in here it's a very delicate negotiation because if your legacy restrictive covenants are highly restrictive you're going to send a very difficult message to a buyer if you're trying to loosen them in a situation where they're paying a lot of money for the company and think they're buying management talent so of course Council's always thinking of worst-case scenarios. You know, how can I provide an easy exit for my clients if this acquisition doesn't go well? But that's running head up against the buyer's economic motive, which is to buy a management team That's been so successful and keep it and make sure it doesn't walk away So Josh, I just want to say one thing because we're a little short on time on this segment but I do want to talk a little bit about bonuses whether extraordinary bonuses deal bonuses because management team has to realize that notwithstanding what the legacy uh, framework is for their comp arrangements if they've done a very good job it's not unusual to try to seek some sort of transaction bonus in connection with the sale that's coming up that's
1: right and where those can be particularly important when the buyer is demanding a significant rollover or post-tax investment for management whether a large percentage of their total proceeds in the transaction, or you know, just a higher price. In that case, management often will go back to the seller and recognize that in return for this premium price and a favorable exit for the seller, seller can help fund management's rollover investment. So an additional transaction bonus not only can help do that, but also provide a very valuable retention bonus and also make management in some cases more neutral to the
0: transaction Right. I think just to jump in here is Josh and I work very closely with our tax experts in structuring all types of compensation arrangements. So one of the things not to lose sight of is if management is lucky enough to be able to get a transaction bonus, start to think about ways it may be tied to pre-existing profits interest or changing an LLC arrangement. So there may be an opportunity for capital gains. In other words, more favored tax treatment for that particular transaction bonus than would otherwise be the case if it was just a, quote, ordinary, unquote, bonus. So I think at this point, we're going to end this segment. Thank you for joining us on the Press Cover Benefits Brief. Stay tuned for more insights on the nuts and bolts of management buyouts as we will be setting up another podcast shortly. And be sure to follow us on iTunes. Thank you very much.